Hey everybody, it's Kelly Ray from the Human Source Codex and today I have the most amazing guest. I, I've been a guest on his podcast, the Open Loops podcast, and we had the most mind-bending, amazing conversation down rabbit holes and out black holes and it was fascinating. So I've invited Greg onto my podcast so that we can, I don't know, we'll just shoot the shit and we'll see where it actually ends up. So uh, Greg is Greg Bornstein from the Open Loops podcast. He's an explorer of all things mind-bending and shamelessly fringeless. So fringeless. I want to <laughs> see. I want to. And he's from New York City. And I want to know. Give us a thank you for being on, on my pod, Greg. Of actually, but, uh, explain that. Uh, shamelessly fringeless. I mean, I usually say fringe, but did fringe. you have the less? I did. I did, actually. <laughs> I was sitting here looking at your hair. I was thinking, maybe, maybe something to do with his hair is fringeless, fringe. but he's got a lot of hair, so it can't be that. <laughs> no, I'm going into the fringe. I'm leaning into ah, the fringe. Into the um, fringe, like the event horizon of a black hole, into the fringe of the abyss. Yes, though I thought maybe you were playing on the idea of fringe lists <laughs> in the sense of maybe what they're experiencing is the normal and what mm -hmm. we're experiencing is the is truly the the fringe. I mean, you know, you hear that a lot. You hear that a lot. It's like this waking reality is the one that is the messed up one. Oh, we're, oh. we're trapped in the matrix. We're, yeah, I mean, that's the idea. Like, I have this notion based on talking to all these people that I have on. And and uh, for those of your listeners that don't know, I mean, this is a, it's kind of my love letter to uh, well, one of my favorite late night paranormal talk radio shows in America. It's called Coast to Coast AM. Uh, goes from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. Eastern every night. And the hosts, uh, who originally Art Bell in the 90s, I think is when he started, and then now George Norrie. But this guy would, you know, he'd come on and he'd curate psychics, astrologers, spiritual healers, hypnotists, uh, conspiracy theorists, people that claim they were time travelers, UFO abductees. Um, I mean, even business consultants that had a kind of different bend to the way they think. Um, so, so all over the range, that drew me in. And then I... Am, I mean, uh, people can't tell, but I, I I do have a performing arts background, so I went to school for acting. I love performing. I love all that. And my foray into performing was magic when I was a kid. Like, And, I, and I've got it right now. I mean, uh, you know, I, I have a deck of cards that I shuffle just casually at my desk playing around. I mean, I was always drawn to illusion. I was always drawn to this idea of uh, what it, the unexplained, I suppose, from a very young age. So at a certain point, I, I decided I didn't really know what to do with that. It felt like it was a compartmentalizing. It was like my intellectual interests and then what does the real world, quote unquote, the fringeless world, what does it demand? It demands practical 
value-driven, uh, you know, resources, assets, this, this economy. I mean, it's, there's, there's very little economy in, I mean, I guess you could argue that there is, you know, consciousness summits and paranormal events and people that write books, but it, it seemed like two different worlds and it's still been hard for me to figure out how do I blend this thing that I'm passionate about, which is understanding reality at its edges and the unexplainable with prospering in the real world, the real world, whatever that okay. means. Okay, I love this. I love this topic. Like, it's totally my jam to to explore and to go down this thing. So what if we looked at the, the construct of reality? And so, and we, we talk about like the separation between, we could say, um, the conscious and the unconscious people, mm -hmm. but also the unconscious and the conscious mind too as well. And what is it to be like truly conscious or super conscious is to know that there is what we call actuality as opposed to reality. So we can take science and physics in the quantum world and that's where we look at and we see uh, science base, which is reality. But then we go into uh, quantum physics and metaphysics and that's where we look at actuality, what is actually there. And the majority of humanity are stuck in the reality world and so to use your phrase you know the the practical value resource driven uh world of of reality is where 99 percent of the masses tend to play and because they're they have no conscious awareness or no awareness or very limited awareness of what is actuality to expand their awareness and expand their viewpoint and step into the realm of metaphysics or the realm of the quantum world. So it, it is a beautiful, uh, definitely a beautiful conversation to have because are we here to awaken uh, the minds of, of the many or are we here to take ourselves into the realms of actuality and play there for ourselves? And can we awaken the minds of the, of the masses, the fringeless, and we are on the cusp of the fringe? And can we dive in and play in both fields and be super conscious to actuality and reality? That's interesting. That's interesting. I mean, I, uh, huh, it's a good question. So, so let me ask you this. Let me clarify this with you then. If we're just talking about waking up the minds of the masses, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it seemed that you were separating that from the inner experience of self playing around. And my question is, and I know this because I... I mean, I kind of look at it this way in the sense of uh, every single time I, I, I've never, 
I love hypnosis and I've studied a lot of hypnosis. I've taken a lot of courses. I talk about it on the show a lot. I'm very fascinated by the unconscious mind and, and even even the you know, the things around it. I mean, whether it's, you know, transpersonal psychology or neurolinguistic programming. I mean, these are things that I love, 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 love to explore, dive into, research, study. Every single time though, that I've sat down and said, Okay. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to show people the power of this. You run up against a common business ideology, which is your issue should be the one that you market because you know yourself the best. So if you've stopped smoking, you should be the stop smoking hypnotist. If you've started your own business, that's the kind of coach you should be. And I wonder, you know, what I'm doing with my show, which is, Exploring these topics as a means of getting myself on a level to awaken, but also I have the conscious awareness that I know I'm not all the way there. I know I'm not all the way there when it comes to believing that there even are extraterrestrials on these UFO things that we see in the sky. I'm not all the way there, and yet I still feel compelled to push people to wake up to the idea that it might be, even though mm -hmm. I myself am not there. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. That's how it's a, it's a weird thing because I know a lot of people go, "Well, Greg, you can you can talk about this, but until you've really experienced it, man, until you've taken the mushrooms, you're not going to be able <laughs> to talk about the trip." And I'm going, I don't know. I mean, do, so I guess I'm wondering, do you how do you separate those things? Waking up the masses versus going through it yourself, and what happens when they come together versus they're done separately? Well, this is the paradox, is in the essence, the true essence of actuality, there is no separation. It's only our minds as a, in, human con, in human construct that will create the separation, that there is the asleep and the awake. But realistically, like in actuality, there is both together at the same time. They're not separated. So we're, mm. we're, it's playing in the, as part of nature that there is quantum particles, you know, matter and antimatter, and we can say positive and negative, that they are, uh, to simplify it, um, that there is no separation. They are, in fact, actually uh, joined. They're in unity the whole time. It's only our perception that creates a separation. And so when we can actually uh, conjoin or unite the pairs of opposites, that we're actually separating through our level of consciousness that we view things, then we actually step into, into the actual, the truth of the quantum world and the truth of what I call actuality. So that is a practice within ourselves, which is freely available. And it's quite simple, really. You just simply ask the, the question, where is the opposite also true? And you find it and you bring it, bring it together and bang, you've got both. So, but it is, the majority of humanity is actually operating from belief systems that are conditions through time and subordinations through time, which they start with as we actually pop our heads out of our mum's vaginas. That's our first level of subordination is her, our mother is. But then we can go back and look at epigenetics and we have cellular memory because mm. all memory uh, is stored on charged particles of light which is actually stored within our cellular system so 
then we our sensory body is then constantly in a state of reactionary components to that which we haven't integrated from past lives too as well. So you know we got to, we can go back seven generations and our bodies and ourselves as our as we are today is constantly uh, looking to actually fulfill all the unintegrated components of that. And this is a mindfuck for most people, right? So coming back to... <laughs> it definitely is. Yeah, uh... coming, coming back to the extraterrestrial component, right? The extraterrestrial question is that, is there other, other beings that are different to us that are from different planetary, you know, universes as such because i'm i'm a true believer that there we live in a multiverse and of course you know if you you look at the the universal constructs or the universal laws of uh hermetic principles we have uh polarity we have the law of correspondence and then we have the law of rhythm cause and effect etc but realistically it's demonstrating a holographic universe so if there is us humans here there has to be the opposite somewhere else so we could say uh, in, a, in a different planet or different universe or a different multiverse, what would be the opposite of us in form, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. And so you could come up with all sense of imagination and your imagination is also connected to the newosphere. And in the newosphere is where all information is actually stored. So, and that newosphere actually goes on and on and on for many many realms and so that could actually then end up out in another multiverse so really what we're questioning here is abstract and it's not finite it's a matter of us actually being able to ask these deeper questions without any judgment on them to ideate and to use our imagination so mm. and then we i believe that we're actually accessing the information from these fields. And then we get feedback through our physical system that lets us know whether we're actually on a pathway to the truth or we're so far from the truth, right? So my belief system is that our intuition is an electrical conductor of the information that is stored in the in the neosphere or in the field or the quantum field or the L fields or the morphogenic field or whatever you want to call it. There's so many different names for it. And um, and when you actually your imaginal cells actually step in and integrate with the informational particles that are in the field, boom your intuition gives you a feedback mechanism to let you know that you're on, on a pathway potentially to a truth. So people that are questioning or communicating or whatever about extraterrestrials, I think that, that potentially that there is some truth in that based on what I just mentioned about the holographic universe. Yeah. I and Now I'm like, Kelly Ray, how do you know what you know? I mean, was it... Did you have a, was there a light bulb moment for you? Would you classify what you had as an awakening? Would you, I mean, I know you've talked to me about, you know, your work with horses and, 
and uh, connecting with the owners as a means of resolving the trauma and the horse and stuff like that. But but you don't necessarily need to be a psychic medium. I mean, but but I feel that you have a very integrated understanding of all of a variety of different spiritual principles. <laughs> and I'm going, what was is that formed? Is that revealed? Does it happen with a specific set of beliefs? Or does it I yeah, I, I don't even what what where what is the journey? How do you even get oh, to where you're is, here? <laughs> fuck, sometimes I don't even know myself how the fuck I got here. Like seriously. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it, and that, <laughs> I I guess we could say in the essence of ontology and epistemology. And we could look at free will and predestination. Was I predestined? And the information was sitting dormant within me because I was just a, you know, a person who was training horses and you could say just a ranch cowgirl that that was almost suddenly awakened into, into you know, the spiritual realms of the quantum field or, or uh, the deep mysteries, as I love to call it, right? And it 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 awakened my soul and it was like, okay, right. There's something in this. My soul has been called or is my soul being awakened or is it both? So I like to say it's both. I had an awakening and a calling at the same time to dive deeper into the mysteries of the universe and to look at the secret components of, of humanity or uh, human behavior. So it's taken me off on multiple different layers in terms of consciousness, like psychology, all the ologies that you yes. could possibly ever, you know, list on Google. And, and then diving deep into experiential opportunities to put together the theory and the knowledge into Gnosis and to be able to, you know, take the Gnostic component and be able to teach that. So, you know, my travels have taken me deep into, oh, I've, sat with the beautiful shamans in the Peruvian jungle and looked into, we could say, the, the dissolution of the psyche by con sitting in ceremony with ayahuasca and wachuma and, and having the opportunity to obliterate that which we call the, the, the physical self into, into the, the, the total, the capital S self, you know, and the, the higher mind and into consciousness. And that was a trip. That kind of like really awakened me into what is the essence of actuality and and yeah. what we, we we say is reality. So I hope that's a is a short thing of where I've where I've ended up in teaching. No, no, I think it's very interesting. I mean, I I hmm. Okay. Okay. And now I've let's... studied, I've also studied mystery school teachings too as well. And, you know, I have a beautiful mentor uh, in Dr. John Martini, And yes. John is a polymath, is a mystic. He, you know, I don't like to give people labels because it just, you know, the, 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 the finite self wants to put a person in a box, but you can't really place him in a box. And the, when I, found John and landed with him, it was almost like, oh, you know, like shit, I do nothing. And it awakened everything within me and it just allowed me to go deeper and ask many deeper questions. So the opportunity to sit in, like he has these mystery school teachings called Imperience, which are 
give you pathways to the, the, the essence of the truth of who we are. And then I've also taken myself to go deeper and sit in other mystery schools that are available around the planet to, and then researching like the secret doctrine, you know, the, with Blavatsky and the syntopican and reading those and really going deep into the essence of what, what is that trying to actually reveal to humanity from nature. And one of my right. favourite, favourite subjects is hermetics, you know, really going deep into the corpus hermeticum and the Kybellian, which is just a front, you know. This beautiful, short, 300-page uh, book, you know, the Kybellian, but yeah. when you really go the essence of hermetics behind that is, to me, that is the closest thing to the construct of, of um, being a superconscious being. When yeah, you, you know, I will say that has always been the when I'm looking for, and and I and I recognize that this is a very much a the level of consciousness you're going to approach these issues may be quote unquote trapping me to stay within a certain level of consciousness. Like I'm fully aware of that. Mm. That said, I'll go there anyways. Mm. I. As somebody that has been conditioned and is regularly surrounded by people that go, but what's the proof? I'm sitting and I often look for those things. I, I ping my guests about those things. I think about those things a lot. I mean, it's just sort of where I'm at in the journey. And to me, one of the most compelling things that makes me go, maybe there's something here is the history of the occult and hermeticism and this just this notion that it's one thing to come up with gods because that is how we're i mean i remember i don't know if you remember this in school but when they talk about the great gods um the teacher is certainly at least in western american education go yeah well they had to come up with they didn't know science so they had to come up with a god for the sky and a god for love and a god for... They had to come up with this, so it's really a reduction. But what they don't teach you in elementary school is these rich texts of talking about dualities and, mm. and really getting at, mm. uh, you know, and I'm not as studied in this, but, I mean, if you're looking at, you know, the works of Manly P. Hall and mm. all, the, all the teachings of the esoteric teachings, you're going... People for thousands and thousands of years have had highly advanced abstract conceptions of reality that do not seem like it's it, they're, they're tapped into something different than we are. And I could not just excuse it by being like, oh, well, they just didn't know science. So this was primitive esotericism you know that's kind of the that's the duality that we're faced with here that dichotomy people put that again oh no no those old texts those hermetic texts those those were less smart people people that didn't pay attention to science but i'm going yeah but have you actually read those things 
Do you know the ideas that come from those things? Because those ideas would make your introductory meditation class <laughs> look like nothing, kiddo. <laughs> there's some there's some deep stuff in there. So that to me is, I will say, in in light of being someone that is pretty skeptical, um, the idea that there is this rich history of esoteric philosophy throughout all of time points me to going, I feel there were people that knew something more advanced than we know now, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I think that's a beautiful way of actually looking at it. And if I can just add um, in there is when, when the human mind is actually looking for proof, then straight away, like, I, I know that there's a gnosis there that there's a, uh, a fear, fear-based actually response in, to, in that to be, uh, to be in control, right, and mm. which is we can go to our basis form of nature of us as as the human animal and so that is what is actually driving that to to feel safe and to feel in control this is to give finiteness to that and it's a false sense of security and it's also what i call a false sense of certainty because um you know the more that the human mind can actually conceptualize abstraction becomes the highest form of consciousness or superconsciousness being that they become in. And they be the essence of that is they are both disc uncomfortable and comfort comfortable with being with the known and the unknown, right? So the majority of humans have been conditioned to, you know, plan and do all this you know, make sure that everything is safe and don't have any risk and all that kind of thing. And then the conditions upon that is it creates a heightened sense of fear. So let's take that all the way back to the construct of religion, heaven and hell. And so the false God here that was created in the, an anthropomorphic projection of a deity of, of God, or we could say God in heaven and then the devil in hell, is to actually have control over the minds of the uninitiated or the unaware or the masses, right, to create yeah. governance so that they can be out-directed. But when, but when a person comes to a place that they can have what we call unconditional knowing or unconditional love for self and other and see the infinite and the finite in all things, and the known and the unknown and be in a place of uh, a place of I just call it homeostatic, uh, homeostasis, where there is no desire to actually change the future or change the past. That to me is a higher state of Christ consciousness. And you can't be out of directed when you're in that place. When you're in that place, you are the governance of yourself. Does that make sense? Uh, the governor, the governance of yourself. Yes, and so you you operate from what we call our true sense of our divine free or divine will, in gnosis that there is both parts that are also finite science and religion, which is we could say is metaphysics, the mm. the known and the unknown, the history and the mystery that we cannot separate those two components 
And the only thing that will separate it is our perception of the fear of the loss of something or the fear of the gain of something. So religiosity and the anthropomorphic projection of these false gods was created to be able to have a greater sense of governance over the uninitiated mind. And the uninitiated mind is the one that cannot handle levels of abstraction. Yes, yes. And this so is we, interesting. And so when we look at those components and we can go deeper into then when we have fear instilled into our human biology or our human system, we are easily swayed by rhetoric. We're easily swayed to um, seek pleasure, which is heaven, and avoid pain, which is hell. And so you start to look at these things over time and construct is that we've become hedonistic where we avoid right. pain and seek pleasure. And so this is just a, a construct which is, you know, transformed throughout time from the initial construct of, you know, heaven and hell, religiosity. Yeah. Well, then, okay, so let me ask you this. Do you then believe that it's possible, forgetting forgetting that there's even a, a necessarily some kind of god-like awakening that everybody is you know i mean i i think that is the the general kind of uh i'll put it in quotes the spiritual community narrative that that magic on earth is latent and that if we all just went inside ourselves and had faith then uh, i mean it is kind of similar to the messiah idea this idea that we could all wake up magic we can bring back atlantis on earth it's there we need to wake it up seems like a lofty goal i think it's beautiful i love it i love hearing the elders talk about or people that are adjacent to the elders talk about you know the schumann residents and things are all this stuff i love okay but that said i'm sitting here going what about the two guys at the bar that you start talking about higher, like a somewhat deeper thought, a slightly more abstract conversation. They go, eh, nah, I don't know, I don't know, dude, you're you're too deep. I don't know what you're talking about, man. I'm watching the game. I'm sitting here going, this is the first time I thought about the idea that is everybody capable, or or is there a latent ability to? just have deeper conversations that everybody has that they're denying on a regular basis. Like maybe the matrix isn't God. Maybe it's just the capacity to have bigger ideas about the universe or is every, or are people wired not to be able to do it? I don't know. I'm not sure because you certainly meet people. You're like, this guy is so superficial. This or this, you know, this person just is never going to get there. I don't know what I'm ever going to talk <laughs> about it, but I, I wonder. Mm, I, yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, I'm just sitting here like giggling at, you know, the, the, the concept of actually thinking about going and sitting in a bar and trying to have a deep conversation with somebody about, you know, what we're talking about here. And yeah. I don't think a bar would be the place unless somebody decided to actually create a conscious bar where the 
the um, avatar or the client demographic that they were marketing to was to actually encourage people like ourselves to come in and have a, have advanced level conversations. But I would definitely not frequent a bar or a sporting, uh, you know, kind of establishment to have that conversation because it's readily not going to be available. And trust me, I'm... I'm a single female that is in this realm and, and we were talking about dating earlier before we, yes. we jumped on the pod and, and this is one of the byproducts of the problem that I perceive that I have is I get bored very quickly to, you know, <laughs> I call it base level conversations and then I get labelled crazy because I talk about abstraction and deep information or esoteric information or religious information or quantum information. And, uh, you know, I see things at a different layer and, you know, sometimes I might open my mouth and people don't like that too much. So it, it you know, it has its drawbacks, definitely being in this, this construct of mind. And wow. so, yes, I believe that the universe has created all stages of expressions because they are to be of service to the evolution of let's just say the the multiverse and from my research is that if anything that is in creation is in creation for a purpose teleology just like we are if that purpose was no longer required then it, be, it goes extinct so um we see this we could say that the density in terms of consciousness is eradicated you know people die at young, earlier ages or disease comes in and eradicates them out or etc cetera, etc cetera. so their consciousness is no longer required it's it's re it's reached its purpose and and then there's a next void that's created for deep questions to come in. So I, you know, in the aspect of God, I believe, I don't believe God is a sky daddy, some anthropomorphic projection of a man that flies around the sky. I think that's bullshit. That was just an image to actually, that was created for humans to, to feel good about themselves, feel safe, you know, or to project an image of somebody that's protecting them. So it's, they're still plugged in as a child to that and not able to actually govern themselves. My construct of God is the grand organised design, that which is the unknown, that is, you know, so much more vast in intelligence than we could possibly ever imagine. You know, that awakens my soul to even think about that, you know, a panpsychic mm. universe that is all intelligent. And we are playing a part inside of that intelligence, whether you're... Uh, you know, a, um, a football playing uh, bar going person or, uh, you know, a philosopher, uh, polymath who explores consciousness. There's still yeah. all parts of that that is required in the, in the greater system. Now, what does this then mean? And I, I've been toying with this recently. Uh, I have a friend who she awakened, but within the context of the Catholic faith. And 
And, you know, it was interesting because uh, it, it, it was fascinating to actually have someone that close to me after doing so many interviews with people who've claimed an awakening. All these, and, and usually it comes from more of a, yeah, it, I, I guess I would say this mm, new age, whatever we're calling, that, yeah, the pan-psychic, a little more, a little, yeah, at least not a Judeo-Christian style awakening, a little more, a little more waking up to my star family in the sky kind of thing. Um, so to have someone in my life say, hey, I abandoned Jesus, and now I, I was at rock bottom which is often what people say when they're before they have an awakening and the love of God came back through me. And now I believe in Christ. And, and this person, I, I had a conversation with them, saw them on video and was visibly changed in a way that I'm going, Whoa, there is a source, something I guess I'll call it source consciousness that is coming through you. There is a love. So these people look, I don't know. If Jesus is love, it, I, I I can't say for sure that Christianity isn't real, but I do know that there is something that this person tapped into that speaks to these ideas of of this all powerful, uh, you know, beautiful design, intricate design that we couldn't possibly understand that she's going through. But I'd also hate to dismiss it as. Well, this is, uh, you know, she's fallen for the trick. That's what you were saying before, right? Oh, you know, Judeo-Christian, they kind of, they made this thing up to control. So is there something of worth in this person's spiritual awakening that can have me feeling better about it? <laughs> well, yeah, I, like I've just mentioned, is that there's, there's worth in everything and there's a purpose in everything that we're here to experience. Um. And each individual is going to be drawn towards something relative to where they are in consciousness or where they are relative to what we call their axiology or their teleology. And we could say that that axiology and teleology is actually their divine will. And um, I was listening to um, Joseph Campbell actually this last week, and he's got some beautiful stuff on the power of myth. and and mythology and, and dives deep into like the commonalities between all of these different religious constructs. And when you start to actually see these common threads, it's quite beautiful actually. And um, so and they're all pointing back to each individual has something inside of them that is their divine essence of who they are, their I am. I'm just trying to put words here that might make sense, but there's so many of them. And when a person actually, you know, like feels that, knows that, and they land on what I call the, the beam of themselves or the hermetics call it the eighth ray or the direct ray of light, that is their true sense of calling, they know it. And there is a knowing there and that is the the purest sense of security that a human can have and so therefore there's a knowing as long as I stay in alignment with that 
which is my divine essence of who I am, I can be, I'm impervious or I, you know, can, it's, it's unconditioned. There is no conditions in there. And, you know, I can go off on so many different tangents here. There is no separation of, of light and dark. There is just one. There is, you know, no longer the one and the many. There is, there's just the many and the one and it all comes back to one. So potentially your friend has landed on that, got a sense of the notion of the essence of what her true divine calling is and now mm. wants to be able to, you know, share that with others. But it does actually bring, it, it, when you're around a person like that, they're inspiring and you go, oh, that's interesting, they've changed, right? And yeah. you get a different feeling around them that, is almost like an electrical kind of feeling. It's an enthusiastic kind of feeling and inspirational. But there's also elements of gratitude and you feel safe at the highest sense of degree to be around that person. You know? Yeah. Oh, hmm. for sure. Hmm. I, I, I suppose what's tough is that, and again, you know, we can, I mean, I know that you mentioned that you believe that, a lot of these religions were created by people as a means of control. Um, so I guess my question is, you know, what, how, uh, how important is discernment in all of this at the end of the day? Back to the notion of proof, back to the notion of, because even Kelly, I mean, look, there's a way for me to... Oh, okay. Do you have an answer? Do you have a first yeah. answer? Well, I want okay. to ask a question. I want to ask a question is like, what is what are you discerning away from or discerning to mm. in terms of proof? What is the what is the essence of the what do you mean by discernment? Who uh okay. Well, that's interesting because I I believe that it's a good question. Oh man. Okay. Mm. <laughs> She's trying, you got me. Uh, well, I was going to say, I, I, I kind of look at it in terms of time. Well, I, I have this obsession with time and opportunity <laughs> costs these days. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it's funny because I will go down a rabbit hole of someone that, you know, people telling me about, say, Roswell, for instance, crash 1947. We got New Mexico. We got these flying saucers, all this stuff, and I'll start exploring it, all these things. And then I'll read the one article that says, hey, by the way, here's why this person was nuts. Everything they said is a lie. Also, did you know they lied about this? And I'm sitting here going, oh, gosh. Well, if I just knew that, then I wouldn't have spent so much time reading these other things. And and I'm trying to move towards the truth. I'm going to put my time where there the, I I'm I guess I'm trying to avoid deliberate fantasy for some reason and I'm not sure what the value of that is but I know that I yeah there's something about me that is placing a lot of emphasis on time spent with quality data okay so quality data relative to a scientific notion right which most you likely could, yeah. yes so which is, which is perfect because you're coming from, uh, you know, like a scientific perception or a scientific way of thought process and looking to 
put science on a pedestal and say put metaphysics or religion, you know, that that's an unknown. And that's okay. That's completely okay. But if we come back to the notion of like what is the truth <laughs> and, and you'll find that there's this law called the law of a risk escalation for every person on the planet that has a perception, there's going to be an opposite perception. And so there is, we're coming to now like the pairs of opposites and there's been a lot of uh, research done on pairs of opposites in psychology, you know, Jung and Freud, even Einstein did a lot of research on opposites. And so from, from my perspective, let's go all the way back into uh, the sacred doctrine and go all the way back into the dialectic between opposites and we we start to see at all layers of existence that there is uh, complementary opposites so we have the laws of correspondence and now I'm quoting uh, hermeticism and the law of correspondence the law of polarity the law of cause and effect the law of rhythm the law of vibration the law of gender and then we have the all-encompassing law, which is the all within the all. And so we see that, that there is no separation, that they're all encompassing. And so realistically, if you want to break it down into simplicity, is we look for the synchronicity and the synthesis of complementary opposites. And that's where you'll find the truth. That's interesting. How does that work <laughs> in a value-driven resource-based economy? I mean, uh, well, no, no. I mean, I know what you mean. I, I guess I, I do find it beautiful. I also it's, it's wonder. A, it's a beautiful intelligence that when you, when you see this at, a, at, a, at that purest layer and then you start to see the derivatives that have been derived from what I can say is one primordial truth. And you, then you see that the human in, and the, they're very, the genius, geniuses of humanity have taken this and created like the, the separations or the distortions to be able to create a value-driven universe or a value-driven economy as such. So at any time that there isn't separation, there is nothing to do, right? There's nothing to be. There's the da 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 da, right? There is no void. There is it's everything within everything. So yeah. when when we actually separate those parts, so this is the purpose of separation. When we separate it into parts, we create the derivatives, and then that creates a value, and therefore you know we have money. It, attached to value and derivatives, stock market, and many other things. So that creates a form of exchange until, you know, you actually fulfill that void. And then that's done. That's finished. That's complete. The cycle is complete. And then you actually create another, another void is created, another black hole, right? So then we go again, 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 again. And so the masters of 
the govern, governance of the masters who understand this process, they know how to utilise it to their benefit. They know how to utilise it, uh, you know, to, to create economies. To, but then we also have the universal construct that is still playing a part in that. And sometimes this is, I think, with their level of consciousness that they, they know it, but they also know that the opposite is also true too as well. We can see this in the rise and fall of um, hierarchies or uh, dynasties through the ages of, of countries coming to power and then falling. You know, like the Greeks were once, but now look at them, like they're totally shit, right? And, yeah. you know, America is the perception of power at the moment, but now that's coming to a cyclic end and it's about to fall and then there'll be a rise of something else, right? Does that make sense? It does. That makes sense. Hmm. So then you mentioned that the, there are masters governing bodies. Um, let me ask you this. I mean, is there then... I mean, I... I, I hate to just think that you know the only people that really get this are the monks and the <laughs> shamans in the mountains somewhere but i mean it, it seems that there's a lot of meaning in their life and i don't know the last time you looked up an ayahuasca retreat but i we're talking at least like five thousand dollars for the weekend and then you got to get a flight in addition to do it so there is money coming in somewhere but but i mean obviously for the resources and you got to make the stuff and you got to house people and all this and whatnot but 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 my point is this i suppose is there a way to live in this world as it is set up without destroying everything where you can actually not have separation. I believe you have moments of unicity and we can only ever approximate that. And beautiful question because it is abstract to be able to conceptualise this and to understand a deeper teaching, I'd love to be able to, you know, and it's one of my deeper teachings that I do actually go into the, the construct of approximation to the truth. And can we ever, ever really, so your mind is looking for a finiteness of that too as well, that we can, we have the divine essence of all knowing and all one and mm, um eternity i guess would be the word that i would use and yes if you want to look at it that we are all eternal and i could say that that is we are never ending and the that is an approximate approximation to answer your question but yet it's very difficult to answer that question in a finite way yeah it's a philosophical it's a philosophical question that really would deserve the beauty of having a philosophical discourse to look at all of the different avenues of finding, which still wouldn't give you a finite answer. Oh, my gosh. 
And how do you how do you use this in consulting with people is my question. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I get yeah, I, I'm always just wondering, how does Kelly translate this stuff into, uh, you know, I'm trying to build, a, I don't know, I'm trying to start my marketing agency. I mean, I, it, you know, it's it's it. it yeah, because this has, thing has been very abstract, but but I do know that it is possible. OK, I guess my question is this. Can you do it? Do you think people practice it in business non-metaphorically? Because I think a lot of people might say, well, it's like a hermetic principle, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're practicing hermeticism on a conscious level. One of the beautiful uh, ways that I love to teach when I'm consulting, when I'm consulting with business owners on, on the aspect of most, of most business owners will come to me with a problem, right? And that's generally related to that A, they don't have enough money, B, their staff are pissing them off, and oh, they're not creating uh, enough sales to reach clients, et cetera. So there's a, there's a whole construct of things, but um, I love to teach holocracy-based business building. And what is that? Holacracy-based business building is a self-organising system and it actually mimics nature. And there's some beautiful people out there that have already tapped into this and build, build businesses that are self-generational. And one of the beautiful ones is Blinkist. And, you know, I don't know whether you're familiar with Blinkist. Yeah, the non-fiction books, right? The summaries of the non-fiction yeah, books. Yeah, the, the summary of the non-fiction books. And... There is no hierarchy within that. There is also not an autocratic component where most of us are conditioned to looking at top-down approach, right? And the moment that somebody comes to me with a business saying my staff are pissing me off, I know that that person is coming from an autocratic approach and they're projecting their, their values upon people to live inside the values of that human. But when we build a holacracy business, we look at the business as a separate entity that has a life form of its own, like a universe. And we are part inside of that, but we are not the one. We are part of the many and the business is the, is the one. And so everything that is in alignment to is linked back to the mission and the purpose of the teleological component of that business. So that's how I would actually assist people in or everything that we've kind of talked about to build a business that oh is self organized. Yeah, everything. <laughs> <laughs> everything we've talked about, you can, you can get in a business consultation call. <laughs> you can, in some form, I can adapt it to be able to look at like the value of the person and what they are seeking, and what they perceive that they they would love to have to fulfill their life, right? And yeah. you know, of course, I have I have those that still are conditioned in belief systems in autocratic ways of, you know, top-down governing approaches and they're not ready to actually go deep in looking to themselves to let go of the control because they don't trust the, the uh, you know, the self-organising way of building as nature does. Hmm. Hmm. 
this is all very fascinating. <laughs> so, so you, you when you start to look at these things, and there's a beautiful guy that um, talks about self-organizing systems, which is David Bohm. And if there's business owners that are actually listening, I encourage you to go and, and read and research David Bohm in the Elegant Universe and the how nature abhors a vacuum. And this is this is quantum as well. Inside of that vacuum, when you play the part that your divine calling is for you to be in, and then you allow others to play their divine part and you come together as a collective, that's where life force happens. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you know, there's a few other businesses around that were, you know, Whole Foods was one of them. And obviously, because it was such a great self-organizing system that, of course, it got bought out by Amazon because it was sustainable. Right. Right. Mm. So, okay, then let me ask you this. And and look, I mean, I feel like I ask this all the time to people that I talk to that happen to make a business out of the the abstract concepts or at least parallel to the abstract concepts that they they can delve into um for someone like me that is not fully sure what is not fully sold on the value of these kind of intellectual topics or spiritual topics or esoteric topics that is looking to put some kind of a structure on them how would you point me in the right direction well as i just mentioned i would say read david bohm and the elegant universe to understand self-organizing systems and then i'd go and look at the opposing force right and whatever that may be and then i'd say to them also go and yourself is go and research like the greats the 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 great people on this planet that have created organizations or businesses that are sustainable, that have life, uh, have lived longer than 50 years, that are still, still actually in operation because the wisdom is in there. And you'll find, uh, you know, I do their research, like back to the taproot, like what's the cause and effect of that business to be that? And mm. so I go and research those people and find how they're causing that effect to have a sustainable organization. Yeah. But then, you know, like, I get, let me take it back to uh, John Martini for a second, who mm -hmm. I think is a fascinating example of every time I read his stuff, I'm going, hey, wait, it sounds a lot like me. I'm working a job that I'm not sold on. I love reading and learning about these topics. Uh, this guy figured out a way to create a life where, you know, as he puts it, he can get paid handsomely for doing what he loves, for aligning with his values. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when, when it comes to that, I mean, do, do you still think that, um, well, let me ask you this. He seemed to figure out at some point what his values were. Um, how do values relate to joseph campbell's idea of of this divine i 
I'll, I'll use the word purpose for why you're here. And then based on that, how do you actually start creating something in your world so that you can actually really live the truth of those values in a way that brings you sustainable joy? <laughs> yeah, and, and you might challenge that word joy, but, but y y at least a form of sustainability so that you can keep building off those values into creating new and, and even more evolved things. First, first value is to unconditionally love this physical vessel that your soul actually resides in because you are a soul with a body and a body with a soul. And so this housing here is what is actually housing the animating form of you. So I say this to everybody, if your potential well-being and health to yourself is not a priority or a value, then most other things off of that are going to actually be distorted or fall apart because the vibration and frequency of this vessel needs to be at a higher vibrational way and frequency to be able to to be able to create the energy form to do the rest of the things, right? Hmm. So if you're eating shit food and you're thinking shit thoughts and you're negative Nancy and, you know, you're uh, a polarised pessimist or a polarised depressionist, uh, et cetera, then your physical body is going to be breaking down. And so, therefore, that's going to impede everything else moving forward in terms of values. So each one of us has a divine blueprint. And to, to know that, to source that, and to truly love that unconditionally is, is really before the, the physical form. And so that's our spirituality. And when we, when we understand what our spiritual mission is or our divine blueprint, then we can stem everything else off that. So if you don't understand what your divine blueprint is or your teleology and your axiology, you're fucked. I, I'm just going to be totally upfront, finite, polarised on that, you're fucked, to actually create some causality in that. Does yeah. that make sense? Because then you're, you're not living the true essence of who you are and you're living everybody else's purpose and everybody else's mission and vision, everybody else's values. You're just a automaton reacting throughout the world to everybody else's shit and not being accountable and responsible to yourself. So you're a puppet. And I what, hope that <laughs> No, no, it definitely clicks. <laughs> I, I, and... To me, I'm going, wow, what a beautiful thing, and it's something that the greatest life coaches and and speakers and healers have talked about stepping into yourself, but I'm going, is that a, you know, when when do you have that? What, when do you have your teleology? When do, you, when do you figure that out? Is it, is that an awakening? Is it, hey, here's a sentence that describes you. Yeah, that sentence is me. Great. Now I live through this world and all my future relationships are affected. I mean, it feels as if I don't think people just wake up into finding themselves at that level unless they do and I just haven't yet. 
or I'm already doing it and just denying that I have. Um, a lot of possibilities. Well, me, yeah, yeah, like let me ask you the question because I just picked up on the inflection of that. You in that moment there just radically actually had a moment that you knew that you were not in alignment with who you really are and because your shoulders went like this and and you chuck in your little giggle was uh, a giveaway to me that you know deep in the thing that you're not living fulfillment to relative to who you are so you're living a life of duty to survive oh and, yeah and so it's <laughs> of course yes yes so the the construct of that is then is overcoming the fear to be able to step into that which is you and to and to release and let go of that which is not you, which is everybody else telling you what you should be doing or what you believe you should be doing because you don't believe that you can't survive without that. So yesterday I was working with a lovely lady on here who is uh, was experiencing a lot of physical distress and uh, suicidal ideation and she's governed by living inside of governmental benefits. And, but really she's got a lot of wisdom to be able to share as a teacher, but the fear of actually stepping away from the governmental benefits that in her perception is keeping her alive into being accountable and responsible to keeping herself alive is she can't see how she can do that. It was too great. She didn't believe that. And so I see this every day with clients that actually do come is that they're operating from a state of fear in a, in a place of duty just to the perception of leverage, leveraging safety and self-preservation. Yeah. Oh, man. There's some, there's some, there's some voodoo Milton Ericksonian... <laughs> metaphor and yeah no okay okay no i'm with you i'm with mm -hmm. you um so I... my question to you would be like what's in the way of in your perception what's in the way in your perception of being able to if you have if you do know what your telos is or your axiology is what is a way what is in the way of you actually stepping into that fully mm. Well, the immediate thing is, uh, you know, money, mm -hmm. right? I think that's, but I, 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 I hate that answer, but it's always the answer I give. Mm -hmm. um, but, but yeah, I would say that's probably, you know, uh, and yeah, I think there's, there's the, the tangible fear of not being able to survive, um, tangible fear what does that mean uh but yes there's the there's a, it's a fear about something tangible um and then uh well obviously there's the parents thing right i i know that i have programming especially from family that is saying hey no 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 yeah but can you survive can you can you go all the way into this podcast thing or even when i was an actor oh at a certain point you know greg you're gonna have to find a real job a real job <laughs> ah what is real so we come full circle back to reality right and away from actuality and then now right. we now we're encompassing the injected authorities of parents like i said earlier 
our first form of subordination is our mother at the moment we stick our head out of the vagina. And then our second layer is our father. And then we have our teacher, preacher. And then we have layers upon that, you know, community, society, state, nation, a world, governance, universal governments. So I choose to bypass all of those things. And I operate inside of universal governance, universal laws. Mm. And so I, I guess this is a deep why the deep knowledge to actually go deeper into this and learn more about it is so that I could have pure autonomy, a work towards pure autonomy of having governance over my, my own life. And it's not, it's not, um, it's not a fucking yellow brick road and there's rainbows at the end of each yellow brick road. It's challenging as fuck sometimes to be able to transcend the attachments on the subordinations and the injected authorities and the, and the belief systems that you have, you know, put on with all these clothes that are not really you. And then you take off them layer by layer by layer to come back to the essence of you. But if you don't know who you is, you're going to keep wearing other people's clothes. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, yeah. So even, even, you know, I had a beautiful um, test, I call it universal test during COVID. And I'm, you know, I'm not vaxxed and uh, sorry, created what you would say a, uh, a tension between family members and their projections of how I should be relative to their values and their belief systems. And so during all that, you know, you encom- I encompassed, you're an idiot, what are you doing? You know, like they know, they blah, blah, blah. You know, everything you could possibly imagine was projected upon me to go and have a jab. And I stayed in my lane, like, no, that's not within who I am and I've done the research and da, 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 da. And I just know in my knowing that that's a no for me. Thank you, you know, for your feedback. I'm not going to take it under consideration. And um, and so, therefore, they found it difficult to actually relate to me and they chose to move away from my life. And that was incredibly painful. But in honouring the true essence of, you know, my divine essence of who I am, if I had a subjugated to their wantings, I become them and I lose myself. And Joseph Campbell said this, a uh, beautiful thing is that the moment that you actually step away, and this is in Star Wars too, you know, the lightsaber is, is the metaphor yeah. for this. The moment you step away from that beam of light, you lose your life. Right. Yeah. So you start to refract yourself and you lose your life. So you can still live inside other people's um, values and still be yourself. But the moment that there's expectations which are unrealistic for you to live like them, then you'll lose yourself. And so that's where you, if you have a conscious choice or a conscious awareness to that, you'll go, because you'll start getting feedback, which will be your mind first, lots and lots of questions, you can't sleep. And then the second form will be your physiology that will come in and 
it'll be like, oh my God, you know, like I've just, you know, you start getting physiological feedback in multiple forms like disease, sickness, illness, pains, aches, fibromyalgia, all sorts of different things. Like the body is providing you with feedback. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's where we look at um, when you in that stage there, we call it auto, auto teleca where you have governance over yourself then to make a choice, to make a decision, to stay in, in, in your lane. But if you go to the next forms of feedback, which are social feedback, and you actually buy into that, that, you know, friends, family, fools, teachers, preachers, whatever, start telling you what you need to be. And then we have the fourth form, which is what we call, because you miss miss that third form and you bypass the first two and you didn't take accountability and responsibility for yourself, we get what we call the universal bitch slap, which drives you back to that with like a cataclysmic event or a, a you know, broken leg, disease, cancer, et cetera, et cetera, business breakdown, blah, blah, blah. And so that's called heterotelica, where it's an outside force that has to govern you to get you to come back to the essence of who you really truly are so we're just on this we're just on this path every day of our life to see whether we're going to actually honor ourselves in who we really truly are oh wow uh i gosh okay maybe maybe someone needs to punch me in the face you know somebody <laughs> once said that to me they said greg uh, I was doing a play. I was doing a musical before college, and this guy said, you're the type of person that just needs to get punched in the face. And at the time, I thought, that is so rude. That is What, what the heck? But I still – I kind of hold on to it because I, I know what that – prophet may have been saying. Um, but, but, but here's what I mean. I, in, the, in the sense that I – oh, gosh. <laughs> Part of me is going – is there a great renunciation moment that I need to have? Is there a, Greg, you're in a job, you're in this job you hate, cut the cords. What would happen if you cut the cords completely and had to survive based on what you know how to do? Is it, I wonder sometimes if that's the move, or is it this, you know, there's smarter ways to do it, people say, right? They give you this, well, you should have one toe in, but build the side hustle. And all of a sudden, you focus on the side hustle, and, and that starts to get more and more progressive. And you go, you know what, I just want to do this, and then you can drop the job. But the problem with that, to me, is that I don't think it works for everybody, because I'm one of these people that is when I have that, my brain is going, well, I know what I have to do tomorrow no matter what, but I wonder what I should be doing with the couple of free hours in the day I have. Huh. And then I go to bed and ask my subconscious to have me wake up and find my purpose. And I mean, Kelly, I, I, I got to stop doing this. Uh, or at least <laughs> what would be more helpful than asking either my subconscious, superconscious, some higher power to help align me with what I should be doing to get me more on track. Because I, I need something else, or I just need to quit and go cold turkey. I'm not sure which. Your languaging is revealing where you are in the stage of your brain in the way that you're processing this. 
when you're using the words should, you're in the limbic system. So therefore the prefrontal cortex is not open for you to be able to forward think or conceptualize what is possible. Right. And yeah. So having that awareness when we use shoulds, must, who's, it's the limbic or the basal part of your brain that's speaking. So it's, and if you're looking at also too, the language if I heard you say, I would love to become a full-time podcaster that advances people's consciousness and really brought information to, the, to humanity in some other form and you'd leap up, then I'd go bang. He's in his prefrontal cortex, and that's what actually provides the energy and the frequency of, you know, vitality to the human body and the human life. I'd say, well, Greg, go do that and let everything else fall away and just, like, focus 100% on that. No, it's weird. At one point, I was like that. At one point, yeah. I was, and I've lost it in, in the past year, and it scares me that I have. Yeah, and so in that, I would go back and look at like at the perception that the moment that you perceive that you lost it, what was the outside voice injected authority that caused you to step into going back into dutiful uh, operations? You know, there'd be somebody or something in your life that, or obviously money in some form that would have, oh my God, I can't do this. I can't survive. It's not happening. And so then the limbic system or the lower mind or the lower subset of consciousness comes in and grabs hold of you and goes, bang, no, you can't. Yeah, you're right, you motherfucker, you can't. You're going to stay here and you're going to have to go back to work because this pain that I'm going to make you feel inside of the energy inside of you is going to be so fucking great that you don't want to feel it. So you're going to go give yourself a dopamine fix somewhere else to actually sort that out like a, what do you guys call it over there, Tylenol, because you've got an internal headache. Yeah. And so you go get a Tylenol, which is a, a job that somebody else to actually fix that problem instead of going deep into the actual essence of that which you fear the most because that's where the beauty actually lies in there, the truth of who you are and the truth of you were probably so close to actually stepping into that and that was the final, it could have been, it was a test. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yikes. Oh gosh. Okay, I don't want to use should language, but, but I need to but, figure but out. Hang, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. It's of value to you because now you've had an experience. You don't need faith to know that because you, there is no faith where experience lies. There's only gnosis in there, and so in in the experience of knowing when that pain or that feeling of that congested energy gets stuck in your body of like, oh fuck, I can't do it. I can't make it. I'm going to, you know, go back because I don't perceive that I can survive without, you know, the money that I'm getting from this job that I'm going to get, right? So you save yourself. Right. So you save yourself from the perception of that you're going to experience more losses than gains, more pain than pleasure, etc. And this is this is also governance coming in here and I'm sure other people were saying you've done the right thing you've done the right thing but in essence you gaslighted the true essence of who you are so now you're getting the feedback which is your mind going oh you know like it's not really who I am I'm not enthused um I'm not inspired and that's oh my beautiful gosh. that's beautiful feedback 
because that's the purpose of gaslighting your soul is to actually give you the feedback so that you come to a podcast or come to me and then I wake you up to it and you've just had a realisation because I can feel it, I can see it, and I can see it in your body and I can feel it in the essence of your energy of knowing that that is a gnosis, that is an approximation to the truth of who you are. Oh, wow, 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 wow. Yeah, my brain is stirring right now. <laughs> there, there definitely is a war going on in there. It's going, mm. are you inspired? You're not inspired. You are inspired. You're not inspired. Oh, yeah, but it, yeah, I mean, wow, fascinating, fascinating. Yeah. So when you're at the peak of doing your podcasts and you're at the peak of, you know, uh, reaching out to people and that gave you a feeling of high-frequency energy, inspirational energy, vitality, yeah? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so when we focus on that which we love and our true calling, our divine essence, whatever you fuck you want to call it, teleology, so many words for it, is when we focus on that and we provide service to that, the money will flow. But if we allow the the limbic system and the fear and the injected authorities of outside perceptions to come in and throw fuel on that fear fire and then we put money in the front, then we limit ourselves. Yes, so when you, you know, in the words of Simon Sinek, when you actually focus on the why you're doing things, the how just comes into place. And then the, the reward follows. Yeah. But we've been so conditioned to actually think the other way that we can't survive without the essence of money. And I say to people, go and practice it. Go and practice living and learn the essence of the minimalist component of of living without money. And I'm sure you can do it. It It's great. I actually did it. And, um, you know, got down to having 80 bucks in my bank account and then having to look at, oh, wow, what's the feeling of this? What do, am I still alive? Yes, I'm still alive. And, you know, what is the value of all the things that I can actually experience that don't cost a cent? Yeah, totally, totally. I'm with you there. Yeah, and I was listening to, uh, what's his name? I can't remember. Um, There's a Japanese uh, philosopher, teacher, Honda, Ken Honda. And he has a beautiful beautiful metaphor that is that when you really go deep into the essence of the perception that you you don't have money then you start to look at where you actually can get you know intangible forms of assets that still fulfill your life and so you start to realize that the number one thing of value is to be able to have relationships the first one is a relationship with yourself and the soul's vessel, as I just mentioned before. The second one, Shet, is to actually uh, to be able to cultivate relationships between others that you can provide service to. So you have 50 friends. You could go to their place uh, if you had no money and you could still be doing podcasts all around the world. And you can then, you know, offer them a service in terms of the information that you know and 
and they'll feed you and then you go to the next friend like that. So you can, you can live for a year while you're actually cultivating a, a business without having to incur costs. So it's, it's looking at different ways to be able to, in the perception of that which you fear, how could you do that? Right. Which is an inversion of, of you know, what we've been taught to do. So this is also a complementary opposite. You, the, the perception of you don't have money, go get a job and earn, earn, earn. What is the inversion of that? Don't get no no job, and how can I live without? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I yeah. mean, what do? <laughs> how do I not ask the question? What should I do with this information? Because yes, <laughs> that is the next step. I'm going. Wow, how perhaps. What might be a positive way? What might be a helpful way to integrate everything that I, I'm learning from this conversation? Well, the first would be to listen to the podcast back again and then take the notes of all the things that are of value to you that actually are, you know, and there's many things that we've discussed in here of actionary steps. So there's yes. action. And then there is also perception or, you know, our intellect or consciousness. So we have action, the physical movement, and then we also have being. So being is, you know, listening to, to this particular thing. And then action is doing. So you want to do an element of both, like being and doing. First thing is to really discern what you are here to be. To be. I'm here to be a teacher, you know. That's fuck, just like an hour and a half of thought and that's what I do every day. And so I be that. And in every element of that, I also add the component of like being and being authentic to that which I am. So I'm going to invite you to, to source the element of who you are here to be and that's your teleology and your mission. And then the actional part is the values, the axiology. And if there is, uh, if you're unsure how to do that, then I have a way to do that by asking certain questions and awakening that which is within you. So that's called Deep Dive Axiology with Kelly Ray. Oh, my gosh. You got me. You 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 upsold me to the next course after the podcast. Holy moly! How did this and happen? On, and you're on my podcast. <laughs> yeah. What the heck? What in the world just happened? Um. Wait a minute. But but at the end of the day, how does this help you with dating in your thirties? <laughs> how does it help you with dating in your thirties? Well, we actually start to discover that we when we know who the essence of who we really truly are and we are authentic to that, we start to see others as that too. And so then we actually love all humans in the essence of who they are, but we also then have a, a, a preference to who we wish to share space with. As I mentioned before, there's no way that I would end up in a bar with somebody watching 
football, right? That's just not in the essence of this being that would actually deter from my vitality. So it's not a value to me. So you would start to source somebody that has a similar set of values, but I'm not saying the same because there's no two people on this planet that has the same set of values, but a similar set. So that, you know, like the Vesca Pisces that we have where there's a crossover, but there's a void in the middle. That part there is the differences and that there is where we have, you know, the curiosity between each other. So having the knowing of that, there's a beautiful lady that actually specialises in, in dating relationships, knowing this particular value. She's in Perth, in Western Australia. Um, so dating is first, you must know who you are. Because if you don't know who you are, you're going to go to the outside and hope that person's going to feel the shit inside of you that you don't know who you are. And that's generally like our first marriage. That's our training marriage. And then we realise in the second one that we really, it's time to find a conscious relationship with allowing another person to be in space and time with you unconditionally relative to your values or your axiology. And then in your 40s, what state? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this is uh, <laughs> very interesting. Well, from 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 our conversation before, like myself, who at the age of 50 and being single after having, uh, you know, being widowed into a, into in a relationship. And it is an interesting space to be. And I choose to be in a relationship with myself until that conscious other actually, you know, may appear that I would choose to spare, spend space and time with. But it is it is a different way of actually thinking and feeling is when I was actually uh you know 40 and 30 because all I wanted to do was actually be around that person because I didn't really have a conscious notion of the essence of the individuality of who I was and I had this I uh, conditioned belief system that if I got married that person would complete me you know go through all there's plenty of relationship stuff around this and a person on the outside of you doesn't complete you. They complement you. But if you're looking for, oh, they make me feel whole, then good luck. So if you have somebody that complements you and with unconditionality, that'll be a sustainable relationship. So, again, we go back to the holacracy of relationships. Yeah. Mm. Wow. organizing system. Yes. Oh, this is a lot to sit in again. You did it to me when you were on my show. You did it to me when I was on your show. Who does it to you? Um <laughs> Oh, who does it to me? There's there's plenty of people that that do it to me. And um I really love the essence of the opportunity to be able to have these beautiful philosophical discourses as I call them because they're so meaningful to myself and it's meaningful, inspiring to actually have someone like yourself be able to join me in conversation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love it. Let's go to this bar. <laughs> let's go to this conscious bar. Yeah. Let's make a, 
let, let's put it out there into the universe that we have a conscious bar with a podcasting uh, area where people that come are of conscious philosophical co conversations and discourse and we can just talk and communicate and converse and put things out into the field and all things quantum and all things rabbit holes and everything. I love it. Yeah. The rabbit hole. Come on down to the rabbit hole. That's the bar's <laughs> name, the business name. Is there anybody out there that's listening to this podcast that would love to be an investor in this beautiful, beautiful ideation that we've just created off this pod today? Shoot me a DM or shoot me a message <laughs> and see if we can actually co come into co-creation, a space where conscious beings can actually come and enjoy the rabbit hole with it with in a bar situation oh my gosh this is amazing wow See? that's what i love about these conversations i love the creation i love the creation mm. the co-creation mm. mm. yes yes well my friends thank you for joining me on the human source codex today thank you this has been and amazing kelly yeah, and I think we, we actually did dive deep into, you know, an essence of the codex of, of humanity, you know, the source of, of humanity. And the codex is potentially a blueprint. The book of your life. <laughs> I love it. Hey, thank you. I, oh, this was, you're this so was welcome. an honor. So welcome. So, Greg, thanks for coming on and, and for the listeners, if you would dearly love to think about actually, you know, coming into co-creation with the ideation of, of Greg's dream to, to create a podcast uh, with conscious people in a bar situation, please shoot him a message too. And how can, how can they find you to be able to yes. do that? They can find me at the Greg Bornstein on instagram send me a message there uh you can also if you're if you uh i because i i know that you advertise a lot on facebook when you're doing stuff so i'm on facebook greg bornstein you can find me open loops with greg bornstein conversations that bend available on pretty much all podcast platforms so open loops with greg bornstein that's all you'll find uh me Perfect. And of course, everything will be in the show notes so that you can just click and go and be able to find Greg Bornstein and myself, Kelly Ray, and the Human Source Codex, and also the Taurus, which is the Taurus Consulting Group. And it is now evolving into the Taurus School of Wisdom. So we're adding layers in there of teachings where Excited. I'm bringing the deeper essences of everything that we've just discussed on this podcast in some corner, some kind of structured format, hopefully. That <laughs> okay. sounds amazing. That sounds amazing. Really. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you again, Greg, for, for attending and speaking. I, I just love these. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. Such a pleasure. <laughs>